Now, the Sports Cards and Collectibles Radio Show with Darren Kimura, brought to you by Honolulu Chinese JCs, Papa John's Pizza, The Club Holly, and Fairway Independent Mortgage Corporation. Welcome to the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show. I am your host, Darren Kimura, broadcasting here live from the beautiful downtown studios of ESPN Honolulu. We got uh, Keegan on the board tonight, so if you have any questions, give us a ring, 808-296-1420, or shoot us a text at same number, 808 808- 296-1420. Those of you that uh, didn't get a chance to listen to previous weeks, want to um, try and listen to some previous segments. Maybe you've missed a few. Want to check to see how we've done on the buy low, sell high segment. Uh, go ahead and download that Sideline Hawaii app. You'll be able to see, uh, see. you'll be able to listen to uh, previous episodes there. Also, go ahead and check out uh, ESPNHonolulu.com. We got a pre-grading video up there with uh, me and Michael Kawazoi and we'll have a couple more videos come in as, uh, as soon as we get those videos uh, edited and ready to go. Uh, we've got a great show uh, coming up. Uh, we have um, a couple dates to remember here. Next weekend uh, at Pro Ridge Waimakai, we've got another installment of the Honolulu Chinese JC Sports Cards and Collectibles show. It's uh, upstairs from Long's or the old Seward side of the mall. Uh, starts at 10 a.m. both Saturday and Sunday. And, of course, there's tons of free parking. There'll be uh, over two dozen vendors. I, my, my last count, I heard there were 28 vendors going to be there and uh, going to be, you know, buy, sell, and trade. And, of course, um, you know, a lot of conversation, a lot of fun times, so come down and check it out. Uh, it's an awesome show run by the Honolulu Chinese JCs. Great young professionals organization, by the way. Uh, so go ahead and stop by, say hi to them as well. And sometimes you can see some uh, uh, Miss Chinatowns and stuff hanging out of their booth, too. So it's kind of good fun times. Um, we have, uh, you know, quite a few things coming up over the next few months as well. So as, as those events start coming in, we'll make sure to keep you guys posted. Uh, kind of a neat little thing that uh, the sports analysts were talking about with the top, uh, shall we say, the highest uh, grossing sales recent history for the, uh, the top five. I think, I think they mentioned the top five most expensive uh, sports car trading sales to date. And it's kind of interesting because uh, I, I kind of want to touch on this a little bit before I bring my first guest on. The 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle is the iconic Mickey Mantle card, and it's considered his first rookie 1952 Topps rookie card. But there is a 1951 Bowman. It's sideways. It's not uh, considered as high value. It's not as iconic as the 1952 Topps. But interestingly enough, he does have a 1951 Bowman card that isn't worth as much as the 1952 Tops. So for those of you that were curious about, uh, you know, what the sports analysts were talking about, Gary mentioned, I think his rookie year was 1951. He's right. There was a rookie card in 1951 from Bowman. But the iconic card that everyone thinks about as the most expensive Mickey Mantle card is actually 1952 Tops. So anyway, we, we'll, we'll go into uh, more of those high-end cards, and maybe later in the buy low, sell high segment, we can talk a little bit about uh, buying and selling multi-million dollar cards. And, you know, since my listener, I'm sure, my listeners, I'm sure, can do that. For now, I'd like to bring on a guest that's been here a couple of times before. We got Tony Yamada from Ideal 808. Tony, how's it going this evening? Hey, how's it going, Dan? How's it going, everybody? So, uh, you know, let's talk about the last time you purchased your $6.6 million Honus Wagner card. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, 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 you know, the sports analysts were talking about it earlier that there are these iconic cards that are out there, and every single one of the top five cards they mentioned, from the Honus Wagner to the 52 Tops Mantle to the exquisite LeBron RPA, the one-of-one one Logo Man Luca, and, the, of course, the, uh, the Patrick Mahomes one-of-one uh, one NT. I mean, th- these are 
big time players and they're all rookies. They're all iconic cards, but th th it's kind of interesting because if you take away that that fifty two tops mantle and you take away that T two o six, we're talking modern cards with modern players. Is that kind of where you see the market right now? That there's a lot of influence from the modern, say, the modern viewer with modern players. I mean, sports cards are relatable, right? So whenever a lot of people tend to buy things that they can relate to what they see with their eyes or what they've, you know, engraved in their memories. For me, it was Jordan, you know, back when I was in the in my teens. And, you know, um, so Jordan will always be something that I always kind of relate to. But as of right now, I'm watching current basketball. Steph was my the guy who actually, mm. you know, Anthony Davis was actually the guy who drew me back in. And um, Katie and Steph were kind of the guys that I've always, you know, enjoyed watching. Well, Steph was a little later, but yeah. And, and it's so much more easier for me to spend money on a guy that I watch. I mean, I'll be honest, out of that list of five, the Mahomes is a sore thumb. I, I think somebody got trigger happy with that, spent a little more money than they want to. I mean, just my personal uh, yeah, opinion. Yeah, I actually believe that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, but that's, that's what it is, right? I mean, everything is so... I, I can't think of a better explanation than you see a guy perform like Mahomes did that Super Bowl run year and the year before, and you just want to just go and buy everything you can. And and I, I totally understand, but it also comes back to bite sometimes too, because you know if his performance is subpar or anything less than what he's already done, then you know the market tends to react so much harsher than it has in the past. You know, um, a Joe Montana 81 tops at two, you know, was always a hundred dollars back, you know, 15 years ago, right. 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and, 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 and at, at the peak, I think I, I remember selling one or buying one for like 200, $250. And these were like prime raw examples. And back then the grading multipliers weren't that crazy. So, you know, a PSA 10, you could probably buy for what, $2,000 back then. I mean, if they were around, but, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, Things are so out of my. It's insane right now. The, the values have just gone so much higher. But I, I really, I really do like the the relatable approach to cards, and and it's just so much easier for me to buy a guy that heck I'm watching, and I just enjoy watching, and I want to I want to keep buying his cards, you know. Well, and that that whole recency bias, right? We can't help it, right? The the whole LeBron is the goat and not Jordan, but there's almost generational differences in opinion because recency bias I, you know even oh, yeah. you mentioned that Mahomes right that someone may have gotten a little trigger happy but a year ago there was a contenders Brady auto con, you know auto that just I mean I think that sold for over three million so you know, <laughs> you're, you're talking about you know a year ago you know yeah he won the Super Bowl with Tampa Bay so there's again recency bias right and you know what, what's interesting is on this list we don't have the highest graded Honus Wagner because it hasn't been sold again the the, right. the you know the the famous trimmed Wayne Gretzky uh, PSA eight Honus Wagner. I, in fact, I think yeah. I was reading that the Arizona Diamondbacks owner still owns it, and you know that one. Whoever buys that one next, we we could be talking about ten million dollar card because now you've had celebrity owners as well as it's the famous trimmed Honus Wagner. Oh yeah, easily. I mean, there's a there's a buyout for a PSA ten mantle right now. I think it's over like twenty seven million. If if what? someone released. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's an open buy, literally, that somebody would drop $27 million for the card once. If somebody, if one of the, what, I think three owners decided to sell, but nobody sold. So, I mean, it's 
the, the, we, it's gonna and and that card, honestly, the fifty-two mantle, regardless, it's just gonna keep. It's such an iconic piece that it'll just keep going up and up and up and up, kind of like a house. Every time somebody buys it, it's gonna be more expensive the next time it's bought. Well, the embarrassing thing is, I can remember. <laughs> this is gonna sound ridiculous. I can remember when the PSA one was only ten thousand, right? I mean, this is where we are oh, right yeah. now, where. Uh, the fact that you can even recognize the card, it's, you know, PSA 1. <laughs> so, and that, that was 10,000. I, I think the, the PSA 1s are 35,000 now or something like that. It's, it's, it's just a different world for iconic pieces. And, you know, we, we talk about this, right? You, you know, you mentioned it's fun to buy stuff that, that you can watch the players and all that. But a lot of the bigger, deeper pockets out there around the world, because this is not just a U.S. thing, right? Around the world. These mm-hmm. guys are buying it for the sake of putting it in the showcase because they want to show everybody they have it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and not only, yeah, it, it's it's becoming a point where, you know, um, it's, it's it's displayable art at some point. At, right. You know, um, really, it's just, it's really, really interesting. And, 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 and that's what I think society has come to, right? We want to talk about things. We want to talk about, um, we want to talk about a subject or a piece. And it's it just, and, and the more you know or the more you can tell somebody something that the person doesn't know about it, they, they get more interested, right? You just draw them in. And so having a 52 mantle sitting around and telling someone it's worth $25 million or, you know, or even a million, it just kind of really blows people's minds. Well, and that's the thing for, for you to mention that. I think you're absolutely right. Not, not only is it, is it artistic, it's something that if you don't know Monet, you may not know that's his painting. But even if you don't know baseball cards, you recognize the name Mickey Mantle or, say, Babe Ruth or, you know, LeBron James, right? You recognize the name. Oh, for sure. I, I, I've, you know, recently I started collecting watches or getting interested in watches. I started learning about them, and it's just a side hobby. But, you know, I started looking at, like, the history and, the you know, the, the creators of the watch and things like that. And, and I was talking to a sales guy, and he gave me a really interesting point. And one of it was that, you know, like, um, when I was, when I was uh, you know, 15 to uh, 20 years ago, when I used to look at a Rolex, I couldn't afford a Submariner, and those were $2,500. Right now, they're probably sitting at, what, 15000 retail? And, you know, same thing like baseball cards. Uh, you know, when I, was, when I was 15, 12, 15 years old collecting cards, I couldn't even afford a Jordan rookie at right. $300. Right. I mean, and one of the cool parts about owning these things is that, you know, after 20, 30 years, all of a sudden you own a PSA 10 Jordan or like a exquisite Jordan auto patch number to 10 or five or whatever. And, and one of the cool aspects to think about is it's kind of a symbolism of how far you, where you started from and where you've come in life, um, career and just overall collecting. And, you know, and, and it's also a symbol of what's to come. I mean, you know, hopefully in the future you continue, we continue collecting and, you know, you're able to work your way up to a PSA 2 Mickey Mantle or a PSA 5 Mantle, for example, or like a, you know, or a BGS 7 LeBron. I mean, even a 7 is still an incredible card if, if there's only 99 out there, right? Right, right, exactly. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, right? You, 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 you work, you, you're exactly right. You, it's sort of that, we talked about coloring up. If you can get an opportunity to sort of work your way up to getting that more iconic piece or a better graded iconic piece, that's sort of the collector's plan we, we don't want to be in a situation where we just have no shot we want to be able to work our way up there oh for sure yeah definitely and i think that that's you know um i think i think i think the market's settling right now there is a little settlement going on where you know cards are coming down there's certain cards that are coming down some of it is still strong very very strong 
Um, but again, the market moves with popularity play, especially when you're talking about newer stuff. The older things, Jordans, LeBrons, but LeBron's still current, so he can have a little emotion. You know, there's some emo tied to it. But when it comes to Jordan, there's nothing. I mean, you know, his cards are just solid. I mean, I, I, I've never heard of a guy who comes to me and I'd say, I need to sell my, I need money, and I need to sell my Jordan autograph exquisite card for, you know, I'll give you 30 points off of the right. what, what it would sell for. <laughs> that doesn't happen. I mean, right. never, never. And, and yet, weirdly enough, that does happen with LeBron. I mean, we, we, we joke about it, yeah. but... LeBron, even though he's right now's goat, I guess you could say the the current generation's goat, right. he'll he'll still sell at you know eighty percent, eighty five percent if someone needs to move the card and needs to make money. But you don't right. see anyone offering discounts on Jordan, let alone the licensed upper deck Jordan Bulls autograph items. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, I think there's like they're 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 at the very corner bottom stash of a of a of a collection that just won't budge. I mean, everything else is. You know, everything else is doable. I can sell my Topps Chrome. I can sell my Prism. I can sell my, you know, Select or whatever. But when it comes to something like a Jordan, I mean, you work so hard. That's the saddest part, I think, you know, sometimes is when a guy, first, when someone has to sell something that they don't want to sell, it's like you work so hard to get it. You work, you know, it, it, to, to, to buy a $10,000 Jordan autograph now uh, with a patch on it or something. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's just incredible how rare they are and when I, and it's actually sad for me. I actually really hate to see people move those cards because they're just, you know, they're they're they're, they're really that tough to get. Right. No. Absolutely. Uh, we're we're talking with Tony Yamada from Ideal 808. And Tony, I gotta apologize. We we're supposed to be talking about Ideal 808, but I dove down the rabbit hole oh, of no. expensive cards and collectibles. Uh, uh, we're up against oh. a break. Are you are you able to hang on and uh, we can dive into some things going on with Ideal 808 right after the break? Sure, sure, no problem. Awesome. So when we come back, we'll have more from Tony Yamada from Ideal 808 on the Sports Cards and Collectibles show on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles radio show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show. We got Tony Yamada joining me here from Ideal 808. Uh, Tony, before I forget, why don't we give people an opportunity to, to find out where your store is, phone numbers, websites, that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, we're a gaming store located in the Ivole, uh Dole shopping area uh, next to Costco. You can park near uh, nearest in the parking lot by uh, Home Depot side. And, um, yeah, we have a retail store selling basically card games, uh, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh!, things like that. Uh, I dabble in sports, but we don't really put it out. It's more or less like on eBay and things like that. But, um, yeah, uh, so the retail store is Monday through Sunday, uh, seven days a week, actually, I I don't, I don't even know my hours anymore. Uh, I, <laughs> That's because you're there all absolutely. the time. I mean, you're there 24-7. You live there, right? <laughs> Something like that. I believe 11 to 6 every day, uh, except for Sundays. I think it's like 12 to 6. Um, and uh, you can check us out online, ideal808.com. Um, and we also have a break channel where we do like – we're like one of the only channels – well, there's, there's people starting to jump on, but we're on Twitch Search Ideal 808 on, uh, I'm sorry, 808 Breaks or, no, 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 it's under Ideal 808. I'm sorry. Ideal 808, um, search that under twitch. at twitch.com. And then we have a live breaker that actually goes and breaks card games. So we offer anything from like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic, um, some of the anime card games and things like that. So it's a little different. Um, it's a spinoff of obviously the sports breaks. But, um, you know, much lower price points. And it's kind of a good community. Just a little, I mean, if you wanted to go to uh, – you know, go to a bar 
and enjoy card breaking without the alcohol at, with chatter online, it's kind of like that. You just remove the, the physical presence of it. But, um, and we've been doing it for about a year. And, and, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, I sit through and listen to almost every stream we have. And sometimes we participate in, the convo, in, in, in a chat group too. You know, I gotta, I gotta ask you. I mean, you know, the 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 card gaming world has expanded a lot. I mean, we, we you know, we were so used to the whole Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, but it really has expanded right. a lot. I mean, there's all these other card games that have come out, and we've talked, to, you know, about them on on previous shows. But what one of the the more interesting things that seemed to happen, and, and I, I'm I'm just getting this from from other consumers, it seemed like Pokemon didn't produce too many of the brilliant stars. And then it seemed like right away, a couple months later, you know, this new product comes out, and it doesn't seem like there's a lot of this either. Is it? Does it seem like they're producing less? Well, I I, I don't know if it's they're producing less or they're unable to produce oh. what they want to. Oh yeah. Um, uh, just I I think it was a month ago. Uh, no, I'm sorry, two months ago. Uh, we actually had zero releases. Well, well, I'm sorry. We were scheduled to have a normal slate of releases, but due to delays and COVID and shipping and whatnot, we actually had zero release new products come in that month. I mean, it, it was a horrible wow. month for us. Wow. Um, nothing got delayed. Every product got every product got delayed, and nothing came in. Um, and then we got slammed last month. I mean, you you want to talk about just like slammed we we got pallets of uh, like whether it was pokemon white schwartz um we cross magic the gathering final fantasy pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh. we had like three Yu-Gi-Oh products all last month and normally they're like one a month you know mm-hmm. or one every other month um and i think we in fact we got a magic the gathering too yeah so it, it was every card game decided to just like literally pour on us and 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 it was just it's horrible like right now the downline and the supply chain is just so like backed up or whatever it may be and i've heard because all of these companies basically use the same printer right so they can't you know they can't keep up with demand whether it's shortages of supplies or manpower whatever it may be um you, you know so pokemon actually has been delivering in waves over the last year uh every time we order something i, I mean our first wave, we get like 35 to 40% of the allocation. Then the next wave, we get another 35 to 40, 40%. And then the final wave, we get the remainder 15 to 20. And it's brutal. It's, it's absolutely brutal. And it seems, well, here's, here's an interesting uh, fact that I found out, that a lot of the sports cards guys were using the same print shops that were making all the card backings for the COVID test kits. So that's why no one could oh. get any sports cards out. But I, I don't think the same printers are being used for Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! But... I wouldn't suspect that. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I should say if all the card games are being printed by again the same printer, just not the same guys doing Prism and Tops and Bowman. Quite, yeah. I mean, very well could be. I, I mean, even the sports cards. Look at look at Upper Deck. I mean, they were supposed to release the Spider Man the Fleer, uh, Spider Man uh, Metal metal uh i think in northern december and we're in june right now and i still have pre-orders waiting for my delivery on that i mean mm. i haven't gotten it and, and then well the same thing with even prism football right the draft already happened and we're we're pretty soon <laughs> supposed to get last year's prism football it, it's a funny time right. but but as as far as the the the, the pokemon side the, if we dive down that rabbit hole it, it, for a while 
that was a way people could escape from sports cards and still have the fun of busting stuff and still chase, you know, foil cards and, and you know, the, the really short printed items. And people were opening that stuff at a crazy pace, chasing Charizards and fat Pikachus and all that. Right. But it seems like it's kind of softened a little bit, but yet there seems to be less out there. Like, I mean, like you said, maybe because it's coming out in waves that there's just less out there. And do you think that's affecting people's buying? Like maybe they just get frustrated not being able to find it? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. Well, and on top of that, I mean, uh, card games work is, works very much. I mean, sports is somewhat similar. It works in cycles, but sports, I think people come back when we have stronger drafts, obviously, you know, or or sensational generational athletes come out, things like that, because they want to get it. They, 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 you know, renewed interest, right? Um with card games, we have cycles as well. We have strong releases. Uh, we have great tournament. When the tournament scene is lively and there's a very strong competitive uh, environment, because there's uh, multiple cards that are you know are are, are equalizing the field. Mm. Uh, um, there, there, you know, interest comes and goes. For Pokemon, I mean, honestly, uh, I believe Pokemon tends to reset itself every time. I think we're getting ready for the next uh, Pokemon release too which is uh what the sapphire and what it, no it's not sapphire uh scarlet and uh something they're, they're, right. you know how they have gold and scarlet gold, and violet and, so, so, yeah yeah scarlet violet that's right yeah, yeah. I, and so we're getting ready for another reset of another because sun and moon is about to end and then right. this new series comes on and 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 almost i swear to god almost every time they reset this thing you know, it's a build-up, but it works its way up to strengthening and 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 creating the next cycle of popularity for Pokemon. It's it's a, they have it down rigged. They, I mean, they they're so good. Well, and they, they they really do calculate the release. I mean, I hate to keep coming back to Charizard, but they really do calculate the release of Charizard and sort of the the super short <laughs> print or the full you know the full size art with the you know ultra rares and all. I mean, they they really do figure it out, right? Oh, 100%. They, 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 you know, uh, I remember I was, you know, talking to some people in the past and they actually, I, I had, I, I had known about the Pokemon uh, plan before Pokemon Go on the cell phone released. And they, you know, Pokemon, the organization tied every release and every product and their marketing all together to eventually tie into Pokemon Go's release on the phone and that basically rejuvenated the entire marketing and and and, and cards blew up at that time and, and and honestly it just they're just very very good at ramping up and they understand that you know you can't have a popular product 24/7 forever for eternity you know even Mickey Mouse goes on vacation right, right. and so <laughs> Pikachu does it too and Charizard does it too they 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 have their vacations and these guys figure out a way to just recycle or rebuild this brand every single time. And they're, and it's amazing. It's, it's, they, they probably, you know, they talk about the guys who created bottling water and selling it as genius marketing geniuses. And if you ask me, Pokemon is pretty much the same level. Well, it feels too like, like even like this, this product, this Astral Radiance product that just came out, you, you may not be chasing that one multi-million dollar super short print, but you know, even when they do that, there's an awful lot of twenty to thirty dollar cards. Yeah, so that's the biggest thing about 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 gaming. Um, I, I tend to a lot of people like it because 
you don't get the home runs. You don't get the $20,000 pulls or the chance to pull a triple logo man, LeBron, or anything like that. You get a chance to pull a $100 card or a $500, $300 card. And your box costs maybe 75 to $50 to $100, but you also get a lot of little foils and things in return, which bring back, you know, 50 to 75% of your value a lot of times or more. And, and so that's the thing about card games. You, you know, you get a lot of residual value, whether it's just the cards itself or the play value, which you, you know, you get to play with. Well, and that's, that's the thing about Pokemon in particular, right? Not only do you have the potential to play and collect and all that, but, but let's be real here. There is an entire market of Pokemon buyers who just want the quote, cute picture, right? So, oh, and that goes above yeah. and beyond just the, the collector and the player. I could sit here and tell you stories but in 1999, 2000, when I first got into this, when I first started, well, one of, at the very, very beginning of Pokemon. So Japan Pokemon Center released what was called the Birthday Pikachu. And I was there the day that it got released. Oh, wow. Uh, the, manager, the manager knew me. And he said, hey, we got this in. How many would you like? And they only had a very, very limited supply. Long story short, they kept getting little increments here and there. Because back in 1999, 2000, you know, Pokemon, they milked it for everything they could. And they knew how to, like, squeeze the market, basically. So they got in 30 pieces, 50 pieces, and there's a line of 300 down Tokyo Lane. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, and literally, nice. and I was lucky that the manager would give me, you know, what he gave me. And I brought them back. I would grade them. You know, I, I, I even graded those birthday Pikachus back in the day. There's an English version of that card, by the way. It says yeah, happy birthday, uh -huh. you know, right. whatever, and has a blank name on it. But back when it first got released back then, um, it came with a calendar. Uh, 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 it came with a Pokemon calendar, rolled up in a, in, a, in a kind of a rectangular box, and it also had that birthday Pikachu in it. And so what I did was I brought them back. We started selling them. I mean, I think, the, I'll be honest, I mean, the cost was like 50 bucks, and, and the market instantly took it to like 100 bucks. Um, long story short, a couple of years later, I still had a bunch, bunch left over, and I had graded a ton of them. But there was this guy that I had a customer, and he owned a sewing company. And I, I'd never heard of, you know, he, he disappeared. But he, he was on a mission to own every single birthday Pikachu in existence. Wow. And at that, at that time, PSA 10 birthday Pikachus were like $1,000, I want to say, maybe 500 to to $1,000 each or more. Maybe, oh, no, I'm sorry. At the peak, they were like $5,000. Wow. He literally bought every single one that he possibly could. Um, I, I'm not even joking. It's not. It's not a. It's not a figment of my imagination. This. He literally bought every single one. And I. I think at some point I had talked to him years later, and he said that he had bought close to a few hundred PSA tens. Wow. Yeah, I don't. And I'll be honest. I don't think they're worth that now. But um, you know. Hey, we, I, I have Pokemon stories. If you ever want to talk Pokemon, I can tell you the evolution of Pokemon from day one. I started selling Pokemon on eBay when there was less than 200 listings on eBay wow. under, a, under my eBay ID. And, and, and it, it was just a phenomenon watching it go from, you know, two, 100 auctions up to, uh, you know, 10,000, 100,000, millions. And, and today, who knows how many millions of Pokemon items are listed on eBay. Well, and, and that's the whole thing about even the collectible side, right? It, it really has ballooned to become mainstream where you hear sports guys talking about Pokemon cards. Obviously, the whole thing with, you know, um, 
you know, the, the, the fake peak, uh, the, the, that fake first edition case. I mean, we're talking oh, about that being, you know, mainstream stories, right? So th- th- we really are at a point where the collectibles market is not just for the, you know, I consider myself a collectibles nerd, but it's not just for the collectibles nerds. It's, it's really mainstream. Oh, yeah. My philosophy for the last 10 years or longer has always been, look, our generation does not collect Mona Lisa, Michelangelo art, or Leonardo art, which we can't afford anyways. To right. Be, but, <laughs> Let's be clear. Right. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this. Do you know any current artist that is, you know, like extremely, extremely popular? And, and, and you know, quite frankly, any popular artist in this, in this current day is an artist that does manga, comic art, right. magic gathering art, fantasy right. sci-fi art. You know, all of our artists have turned into this um, kind of like an urban culture slash, uh, you know, comics and, and manga thing. That, that this is our generation of art. And so same thing with the collectibles. And that's why I, I've always believed that the collectibles we collect now are really what you know what we back in thir- back uh, 50 years ago you would have collected coins or stamps or something like that but the the genre has moved on right no i completely agree uh, we're talking to tony yamada from ideal 808 and you know, tony I, w- I wish we could have you on for you know 30 hours straight here but with uh, we are pretty much out of time here i want to thank you for coming on i want to give you a chance uh to uh to give the uh, website and everything again uh for ideal 808 so people can check you guys out Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can check us out online at ideal808.com. That's ideal808, like our area code, .com. Um, our break site, if you ever feel venture, if you ever want to venture, go on to twitch.com and just type in ideal808 on the search and it'll pull it up. Auto, it'll auto pull it up. Um, run into the, ch- you can jump into the channel and check it out. Our, Brit- our breaker, Brittany, she's uh, streaming Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. I believe from 2.30 Hawaii time, 2.30 p.m. Hawaii time to about 10.30 at night. So, you know, after you get home, you're bored, have nothing to do, and you're, you're all caught up on Netflix and, and whatever, Disney+. Plus. You know, Twitch is actually an amazing community. I, I, I personally didn't, didn't know anything about it, but I've jumped on, and, and heck, we all play our phone games. There's phone right. games. Guys, there's guys <laughs> streaming the Twitch channels on, their phone, about the, uh, on the phone games we play. I play Clash Royale, you know. Um, but there are break channels like ours doing various things. There's some sports ones on there as well, and, and, and we're one of the gaming ones that are on there. Well, I truly appreciate you coming on, as always. Make sure you guys go check out Tony Yamada at Ideal 808. And, Tony, when, uh, whenever you get a chance, we've got to bring you back, and we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking gaming. Oh, yeah, for sure, anytime. All right, that's Tony Yamada from Ideal 808. When we come back, we've got a special guest joining me for the, our segment of Buy Low, Sell High. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show on ESPN Honolulu. The Buy Low, Sell High segment is brought to you by Roto Breaks, makers of the Roto Box, filled with the game's biggest stars and prospects with room to grow. Hey, Jeff, so... uh you know, I kind of wanted to uh, bring you on and uh, say thank you for, for joining us. Uh, those of you that don't know Eric is a little under the weather here. So we got Jeff Lee jumping in as a special guest for this segment. Yeah, Je- Jeff, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to talk to you every time. And we usually uh, start at mainstream sports and somehow find a way to F1. So uh, I guess yeah. why, don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we start <laughs> with baseball and see where we go from there? How's that? <laughs> Yeah, let's do that. Let's uh, do that. Well, so baseball's a so funny thing, right? We have, we have a lot of, you know, prospecting going on and all that. But... You know, all the guys that came up this year, boy, it sure seems like 
the old faithfuls are the old faithfuls. Like the guys like Trout, Otani, and Judge, Alonzo, Vlad. These guys are 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 sort of the the, the feature guys again. Yeah, um, it's interesting. Like this, I was looking at some some historic data, historical data on on some of the pricing on these guys, right? And you know, the last. 18 months or maybe you know kind of when it kind of peaked last year around march or february i mean it could easily be argued that these guys like mike trout rookie uh base 2011 top update base tens were peaking at like seven eight grand and for people that that had been around you know that that was kind of a that was kind of a ridiculous run-up so right. you know kind of what i'm seeing this is like they kind of hit new highs, like ridiculous highs. And it was, you look at pop reports and you're paying attention to stuff like that. Um, you know, it's not sustainable. Eventually the, uh, the su- supply demand lines eventually intersected. And this is kind of where we're at now. Uh, I think the pricing right now on some of these guys is probably right. Or uh, in some cases, probably get time to pick up. Well, and that's, that's the thing, right? When, when you have the economy, booming in such a way where everyone thinks they're rich. And, and, I, and I say that because they're looking at their 401ks, they're looking at their investments, they're looking at crypto. The, the, on paper, they're filthy rich, so therefore they can spend a yeah. little bit more on something. But but right now, you know, PSA 10 trouts are going for what, mid-2000s, give or take, right? I mean, and, and yeah, that's right probably where it should be for him. Well, if, if you go back far enough, like, data-wise, like, you know, Trout had some shortened seasons due to, you know, those those kind of, I guess, however you look at it, uh, freak injuries and the COVID, the shortened season and all that stuff, right? Like, he's, he's basically the model of consistency and playing at a high level. But, I mean, they basically, he hasn't done anything to catapult his prices 3-4x, you know, based on what we know about how cards behave, right? Mm-hmm. So coming back down to the 2500 3000 mark is basically back to square one right so right. if you got into his stuff in late 2019 2020 i mean you were paying around that price for for that particular card and here's the funny thing right i mean and i think if we if we look at this truly as an investment and forget that it's sports cards forget that it's pokemon forget that so if you just truly look at it as an investment for those people who bought it at say four or five grand and are now in a panic because they're selling for twenty five hundred and instead of instead of hanging on, they then turn around and sell it for twenty three hundred because they quote don't want to lose much money. Why? You you could sit on it and you're still talking about Mike Trout. I mean, you know, we're not talking about a guy who's gonna go away tomorrow. And even if he did, he had a pretty darn good career. Yeah. I- so for, for people that, you know, I'm not, I haven't been collecting, you know, for decades, you know, off and on, but, you know, pretty consistently for the last seven, eight years. And, you know, I, I do kind of understand the plight of the person who came in thinking they got in at a good point and now they're facing, you know, just like, you know, a, a portfolio that gets slashed 25, 30%, right? right? And that's just the decisions that have to be made. I think people that are in the, on that fringe area, they have somewhat of a hard decision to make, you know, either just hold on and kind of hope that he does eclipse those numbers that are projected for him. Or, you know, like 
Tony had mentioned earlier, there, you know, while all this is happening, it's easy to get fixated on your current situation and how all roads point to something bad, right? But in the reality, the reality of it is, you know, like, you know, over time, like you make the decision now to, hey, I got to get out of this. I can put this money back into other things. And basically, it's, it's your appetite for what you want to do, right? You know, for me, it's like I, I'm, I'm sitting on plenty of things that have depreciated. My entry points are pretty high, but, you know, I, I've made decisions to, to come off of those because there are still a lot of good buying opportunities right now where you can kind of uh, cover for those you know, quote-unquote mistakes. I don't think tout is necessarily a mistake, but, you know, if you are if you were a little bit more ambitious and going after riskier profiles, then, yeah, I, I think, you know, the decision to come off of something and take that immediate loss and put it back into something else is definitely a good idea. Well, that's true. Right? That also depends if you have something else that you're looking at, right? For example, if you're... Yeah. And, of course, the danger, of course, is if you're looking at someone like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say you know, Jesus Sanchez, just because the, the guy seems to only hit 1,000-mile, you know, home runs. Um, his I don't, I'm not sure his last home run has landed yet, by the way. But, you know, just because he hits really big home runs, is that really the reason to buy him? I, you know, we, we have to be making smart decisions, just like looking into a company's background, their sales, their debts, and all that. you got to look into the player's background, the team they're on, all of that. And, and is... is Pete Alonso going to be around long enough to break the record? Is Judge going to be around long enough right. to break the record? Is Trout going to be around long enough to break the record? Right. Or is someone like Shohei Otani, who is international superstar already, is maybe that a better play, right? I mean, that's the kind of thing you need to analyze if you're going to take the loss now. Yeah, you definitely, you got to do your homework, right? If you're If you're willing to spend that type of money on this, it, it, you you got to be willing to do your homework. And, you know, just looking at numbers isn't going to lead you to the right answers. Obviously, there's there's a lot of things involved, a lot of things out of our control, like, you know, a player's career progression or, you know, just some type of injuries that may occur. But, yeah, uh, if you're not making an informed decision, like, I don't know, Baseball Reference is a great site where you can you, you can teach yourself how to read these numbers and they all actually allow you to co compare uh, a player that you're looking at, select another player that's kind of in that same zone, and stack them up side by side. And that's just basic data. You can just look it up and then kind of check market prices on, you know, either their prospect cards or rookie cards. And even that little edge that you can gain from gleaning that data, I think, is, is very important. Well, and yeah, that, but to that's... your point about some of these guys. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, and that, that's exactly right. It's it's doing that homework, though, right? It's not just the emotion of buying it because my cousin bought it. Correct. And that's, I feel like you're you, you, going back, circling back to the trout and the, the some of the pricing on some of these old faithfuls, like, that's kind of the, the result of people just buying what they see, right, on, you know, people showing cards off on Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, it draws out a certain emotion in a person. And yeah, it does make you want to go buy it. But if you're just buying it because you see it and someone tells you, you you know, maybe it's time to get a little more educated on, on that process for sure. Well, and I, I got to... Yeah, I, gotta... I do definitely... 
Yeah, go ahead. No, no, I, I got to say that part of the, the process, though, is being willing to accept the fact that you need more information, right? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's well, definitely true. And something like F1, and I'm, I'm going to come to it only because I am curious, and I do want to ask you something. Um, the, the, the product itself comes out a couple years ago, and, and there's some excitement around it because it is a worldwide phenom of, of a sport. And, and quite frankly, the U.S. hasn't really grabbed it yet. But they're going to go down Las Vegas Boulevard. That's yeah, got to do something to the market, right? You got to, like, like just looking outside of F1, right? Don't even, you don't even have to know, like, the, the drivers and kind of the, the up-to-date uh, standings or whatever, right? If you just look at the significance of kind of what's about to happen culturally, meaning, like, I don't know. Well, I don't recall it maybe even in my lifetime when they shut down the entire Las Vegas Strip to host an event, it, uh, basically a worldwide event that has appeal globally. Um, I think it'll start registering as we approach, you know, it's, it's slated for Thanksgiving uh, this uh, next year. So there's it's still probably 18 months out. But I think once that whole, I don't know, I equate it to like, a circus coming into town, right? But in the most positive way, I think people will naturally gravitate towards this event as kind of like, you know, a Super Bowl of sorts, um, but on a on a more grand scale. Well, to to your point, right? There was so much hesitancy about all the professional leagues having anything to do with Vegas. Well, they open up, allowing you know certain gambling in certain towns and all of this and. They're saying that gambling is through the roof on sports now that the leagues have kind of, in you know, in, in embraced the the concept of sports gambling. And so, same thing you would think with F1 that if if we're buying now, and the prices are a little inflated now, but if we're still buying now, even at these inflated prices, there's still room there because we really still haven't seen the U.S. market grab it yet. Right. So, I there I I. Promise, I do have a buy low, sell high pick. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll come back around to that at the end. But um, just so, like for the F one, right? It, and it, the the collector part of me just really enjoys following the races and kind of keeping track of the market and individual pricing of players. Because relative to other uh, sports and products, it's a very low supply. I mean, twenty twenty had two products. Twenty twenty one essentially had one, two, three, three products, uh, they introduced the flagship tops. But if you're looking at it more from the investor lens, right, and you're kind of seeing mm, the start of something that has a very high potential, and if you just purely look at the significance of the two sets that came out in 2020, you have what's considered a, you know, a mid-end product in Topps Chrome, but always has that moniker tops right and it's tops is on it right significant across the hobby you then you have the other side of it which is what i would consider you know based on the licensing situation with tops and you know i will probably say they're probably not known tops for their super high end right but what they could do is you know kind of translate that onto their uh top dynasty which they have for baseball right but if you if you just can get past the point of like oh, Topps Dynasty has this negative rep, and, you know, I don't like to 
I don't like the second secondary market prices on you know patch autos for baseball, but kind of get away from that and understand that that's the first of the first of the first of F1 stuff in a licensed form. And it, the top dynasty, unfortunately, you know, I'd like it to be called upper deck exquisite F1, but you know, it is what it is. And at this point, you know, five years from now, if, if, you know, the U S appeal starts happening for F1, people are not going to, they're not going to have a buffet of choices to pick from. Right. And if you're looking at in, from the investor side, there's only a, a limited amount of significant items that you can pick up that I still think it's, it's early in the game. So if you look at F1, there's a lot of different lenses you can look at it from. I started just enjoying the, the scenarios and the drama that happens behind the race and leading up to the race and then the post-race events. But, you know, I understand some of these guys, too, like they're, they're actually like, global icons right like lewis hamilton is is i call him the celebrity celebrity because i feel like everybody wants a piece of him but it's not maybe a two-way street right (laughs) i mean that's just my interpretation everybody wants to be around him but he's just one man so um i all things considered i really do believe that f1 can become popular as as a, a, a main sport I think it's got a long way to go in the U.S. in particular to catch up to football and baseball. Well, maybe not so much baseball, but football and basketball. So that's kind of my my stance on it right now. And, yeah, if you're tracking prices, um, just go check out eBay, Dynasty Prices. And then I would urge people, if they're curious, to go on Golden and PWCC and check out their uh, premier auctions and see some of the the higher-end cards, right, and – to look at those as like maybe like art pieces or or long-term invest investment pieces well no definitely and I, I really do think f1 is sort of that that interesting way to dive in well we are pretty much out of time here and i do want to thank you for coming on and filling in um and uh, you know love to have you back again especially as uh, f1 gets a lot um as each new product comes out i'd love to have you back on yeah for sure I appreciate it as always. Thanks for the time, Darren. All right. That's Jeff Lee joining me on Buy Low, Sell High. When we come back, we'll have our uh, trivia contest giveaway. We might not have time for a trivia contest. We'll see. But tell you what, give me a ring, 808-296-1420, and uh, see if you can jump in line first. I'll make sure this question is either really easy or just because you're first in line, I might just give it to you, 808-296-1420. When we come back, you're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles show on ESPN Honolulu. You're listening to the Sports Cards and Collectibles Radio Show on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome back to the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show. We have a quick trivia contest here. The question is really simple, I think. What is Trevor Lawrence's number for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Joining me first is Tiny. Tiny, what area are you calling from? Tiny, you there? Hey, this is Tiny Tadani. Hey, Tiny Tadani, what's up, my man? Long time no speak. So, so I'm, I'm hoping you're calling for the trivia contest here. You, uh, you happen to know Trevor Lawrence's jersey number? Collecting cards. Uh, fifty-six. Uh, no. Which Lawrence? Trevor Lawrence, not not. Oh, you said Lawrence. You were thinking Lawrence Taylor. Trevor Lawrence. Who's 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 Trevor? What's Trevor Lawrence's number? Uh, gosh, I don't know, eight? 
No, you're, 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 you tell you what, you're Tiny, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you back on, on on another show. I'm, I'm a little tight on time here, but, but I'll, I'll hook up with you and we'll bring you back on another <laughs> week. All right, moving on to uh, Casey. Casey, what area are you calling from? Honolulu. Casey from Honolulu. All right, what number is Trevor Lawrence's jersey number? 16. That's right. Stay on the line and Lefty will grab your information. Congratulations, Casey. You got this 2021 Panini Contenders Football Blaster Box. It is the NFL version, not the draft version. Uh, just came out recently, so uh, congratulations. Uh, yeah, no, Tiny Tadani. Haven't talked to him in a long time. But we are fresh out of time here. I want to make sure I thank all my uh, sponsors. Of course, I want to thank uh, Keegan on the board. I want to make sure I thank uh, Tony Yamada for the great conversation for my deal 808. And, of course, Jeff Lee for subbing in here on Buy Low, Sell High. Don't forget to uh, join me next week at 6 p.m. on ESPN Honolulu, 1420 a.m. or 92.7 FM on the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show. This is Darren Kimura saying have an awesome week and happy collecting. This has been the Sports Cards and Collectibles Show on ESPN Honolulu. Brought to you by Honolulu Chinese JCs. Papa John's Pizza, The Club Holly, and Ferry Independent Mortgage Corporation.